Afternoon, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Tapping Football Podcast. It's been a very eventful week for European football. We got some more quarterfinal matches being played today at the Champions League Little Brothers tournament as well. But obviously, we're here, we're here to talk about the big hitters, the big results, and the big consequences, of course, as well. Um, Coach, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I see you're wearing your retro... Your retro United top. Yeah. Clearly, you're, pri- you're primed for a victory tonight, and I just hope you don't get that victory. Uh, how do you not hope? What's it got to do with you guys? I mean, you guys are- <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, we don't want you to. Pro- we don't want you to prosper. I don't want uh, you to prosper. Uh, well, to be honest, I, uh, if you say I like your team as well, man. So don't do that to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, right. there's no there's no loyalty in football, man. There's no, no way no. in football. No, is, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a little bit chesty because we actually made a, a quarter hoping we to get to a semi in it. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we get the job done. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, I, I can wear this the next day as well. You know? If true, not, yeah. I ain't wearing it for another two months. Mm. We'll talk about we'll talk about um, Man United towards the end, innit? But it's just good to have a proper Man United fan on this platform because we've got we've got someone on this platform who's always claiming to be a Man United fan. But boy, boy, oh boy, it couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> okay, cool. Enough of my voice. It's time to hear what you lot think about the or what you lot have thought about the football over the course of this week. So I think there's no better place for us to start than in Manchester as well. So let's recap to yesterday's big Champions League match. We saw um Olympic Leona uh knockout Man City, 3-1 victors on the night as well, a brace for Dembele, um, a goal for a goal for Corne as well. I think Corne's got a record where he's, I think he's scored like four Champions League goals and they've all been against Man City. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he clearly likes playing against Man City. But I want to start off with, with you, Steve. Um, let's get straight into it again. Um, I think the big theme around this game was overthinking. We saw a, we saw a team in Lyon who didn't change their style at all for one of the top scorers in the, in, in the in, in Europe this season. And yet we saw Man City literally chop and change and shift and manoeuvre all to no avail. Talk us through your thoughts on, on Pep's decision or decisions on the starting lineup yesterday. Yeah, we've seen it over, over a number of seasons now. Um, it's funny, actually, because in the United game, I don't want to switch it to United, but in the United game in the Europa League, um, I think in extra time, um, one of the United reporters, I think it was Samuel Lockhart, um, was listening to what Ole said to the players. And I think he said something like, keep it tight and keep going. And it was like an indication of how much, like, we try to over-egg how much tactics and whatnot is involved, like, at the top level of football. And sometimes it's just overcomplicating it. And I thought, like, those three words, it's just, it's really simple. And I thought with Guardiola, like, a thing he's tried to do over the course of numerous seasons is overcomplicate things, like, make strange tactical um, switches and changes. Um, one I, I really didn't like at Bayern was when he was moving Lam into like midfield and things like that. And and he just seems like in the Champions League, he seems guilty of overcomplicating things. And we've heard about this. Um, he can't do it without Messi. And I'm, I'm beginning to buy into this now because a simple... Ch- I'm not saying Leon aren't a, a, a good side, but it should be a fairly simple... Champions League quarterfinal and I even got my uh, my facts tied up yesterday because I thought last year's match against Spurs was the semi-final um, and it was the quarters so Pep's never advanced past the quarters with this um, City team he's never advanced past the semis since he's been at Barcelona it's a decade now and you just wonder why he keeps making these tactical decisions and clearly it seems like all of these losses has got to his head and, it, and he's just overcomplicating things and I just think the guy's really got to take a long look at himself because I feel like if this was a Premier League game with no strings attached, it probably would have it probably would have um, done Leon in. So it, yeah, it was strange to see, but um, also on the other side of things, you can't really legislate for um, City's errors, and in a game of that magnitude and at that level, you can't be making errors like Sterling did and then errors like um, Edison did on top, you're going to get punished. And like and Jesus as well, missing that chance. That yeah, yeah, well. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was poor all around from City, but I think Guardiola's got to take the rap for this one. 
Yeah, um, well said, Steve. Uh, Dan, I'm going to come to you next. So let's actually talk about um, the Guardiola sort of mishap because obviously when we actually look at it, he was playing Fernandinho right centre-back in a back three. I think he's played... I can't, re I can't remember how many times this guy's played a back three in his entire time at Man City. I think the last time I remember him playing a back three was against you lot when they beat you 3-1 two seasons ago against Arsenal. But I can't for the life of me remember how... Um, the last time this guy's played a back three. I mean, it's a knockout competition format. There's no two legs now. It's one-legged approach. And he starts off with three attackers, only three attackers on the pitch. His most creative midfielder, he's playing him right wing. Um, he's playing a notoriously invisible midfielder in Gundogan in the big matches um, alongside Rodri. And he's expecting that this is going to somehow dislodge like a, a, a well-drilled Leon side. Like, talk us through, talk us through what was going through Pep's head. To me, uh, for me, I think he, he he just got the setup completely wrong. To be honest, like for three four three doesn't necessarily have to be this defensive lineup. Like you see the way um, Dortmund set up in the back three, they're a very attacking side and they they play with attacking fluency all the time in it. So it just depends on the way you set up. I think where Pep has gone wrong here is that Carl Walker, number one, uh, he used to be this right back that used to bomb on. Um, and we saw him at Spurs and, and he used to go uh, overlapping runs, all this, that and the other. But at City, he's not really been that same player. He's been this sort of inverted fullback that comes inside and plays in central midfield, this this kind of thing. And so when Pep um, is essentially set up as this back three, for me, it looked like a back five. Like Cancelo and Walker were not moving forward and not were not getting involved um, as much as you'd expect them to in a in a Pep Guardiola um attacking attacking uh, formation and I just think like it's not the time like to, to be showing your position respect when you've played better teams in this in this competition in the last round you've gone to the Bernabeu played your normal way and you've played them off the park I don't know why you think now you've done it against Modric and Cruz some of the best centre midfielders that are playing football right now that you can't go and do that against uh, Leon's uh, players regardless of what's happened in previous times you know what I mean? So I just think he was a coward for me in changing in changing that formation. And it didn't work. Like, after 55 minutes, you're 1-0 down. Change it up. Gundogan has no right playing 90 minutes in that match. He was doing nothing. Was He wasn't helping you defend. Wasn't helping you attack. So why is he still on the pitch? you got Foden there. you got Bernardo Silva there sitting on the bench. It's, it's, I, I just think he needs to hold corn because he's... He's a clown. He's a clown for losing that match. I'm sorry. It's unacceptable. You've literally just emptied the clip on Pep. <laughs> but um, yo, Mike, I'm coming to I'm coming to you next on this as well. So I really wanted to. I know obviously it's all we're all focusing on sort of Pep, the criticism of Pep Guardiola. But I think we also need to give Leon some credit here. What What were your thoughts on the way in which Rudy Garcia set up against um, um, against Man City because it seemed like he he knew that he was he was able to exploit that high line of theirs and the defensive shape that they had when they didn't have the ball was was quite impressive yeah he um he was quite brave in the game he didn't sort of restrict his team to staying sort of just very compact and then he just wanted to go out there and let them express themselves um i thought he would start them belly ahead of Ikambe, but um he did say before the game that the substitute would win the game and i think he had that thought that if i bring him on later in uh, later on to make that sort of impact he can make that impact and score the goals and um the proof is in the pudding so um it was, it was quite it was quite um it was quite impressive to watch that he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with city and he didn't let his players um, fall back the midfield three were excellent um Car uh, that is a kakaret i don't say his name properly Kakaret, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was, he was good his name. but yeah he was he was so impressive um winning the ball well passing well um, his reading of the game was fantastic. Um, we spoke about you guys spoke about Gundogan. He made Gundogan look like a child. Um, I, I said um, Hussam Awa, who keeps having good games against City as well. So maybe they're starting to find a pattern. The thing about these sides is they really do their research. They really do their homework on their opponents. And they know that, you know, I think they have the idea and they know for a fact that they're, they're not respected by teams outside of France. They're not looked at as uh, Lyon because they're almost seventh in the league. So, yeah. you know, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with City, and I think City must have fought, especially Pep must have fought, well, I can play the information here and still get the victory, and they were exposed. So, uh, I've got a lot of praise for Garcia, and especially the rest of the players with Leon. Yeah, well, um, well said, well said. Steve, I'm going to come to you next. Um, 
we spoke about you spoke about it briefly as well. We know that for all Pep's criticisms, there were some shocking, shocking uh, mishaps in the game as well. So I think we have to start off with that with that second goal as well against um, against Man City. I know it was a poor pass from Laporte, etc., etc., which sort of led towards the goal. But how are the how are the the referees and officials missing that clearly obvious foul on Laporte? Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a big mistake by VAR again. Um, it's it's crazy how much more drama VARs adding to the game. Like we really thought it would come in and eradicate um every single decision in the world and it's it seems like all it's good for at this point is offsides and even the offsides calls it's making like it's, it's getting people angry as well so i don't know if i like it or not to be honest some of the calls it gets right it's fair but i, I think it's getting more than it's getting right more wrong than it's getting right at this point but um i think kdb said it um pep said it like you can't use that or legislate that as an excuse to go out in this in this tie um if i looked at that goal as well i think rio was doing some analysis on the city um center backs for that goal as well and you see garcia like push up um right before the ball's played and it allows the um the leon wingers to like just um bomb forward and literally garcia once garcia pushes up there's no city player in their own half that is that is crazy like is is actually madness. How can you not have one one player in your own half, like and expect to win a Champions League tie? That's is is bonkers to me. And I think like just looking at that team and how they started up, yeah, for Garcia, I don't know how old he is, 18, 19, to be the middle centre starting back in the Champions League quarterfinal. That's that's again pathetic by Pep or whoever's in in their recruitment because cause that shouldn't be happening, man. Yeah, <clears throat> well said, Steve. Well said. And I think another thing that shouldn't be happening is players missing guilt edge chances in such yeah. a such a high pressurized game. So Dan, I'm gonna to come to you next as well because we've had this energy for Pep, we've had this energy for the likes of Abamyang, for Harry Kane, for so many players in world football where they fluff it on the big stage. So I think as well as he played yesterday, surely Raheem Sterling's miss unforgivable, surely. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, I, I really like Sterling, so it's it's hard for me to, to mm. criticize him. Yeah, but that that miss is is criminal. Do you know what I'm saying? It's actually criminal because in in the years gone by, he has been basically City's go-to guy when Aguero um, is on the pitch in in that attack. You know, him and De Bruyne are basically propping up um, that attack. And I have I do have like my question marks about Pep, you know, and how he's treated um, Sane and some of the some of the other attackers, but Separate to that point, I just think, you know, Raheem Sterling, that is your bre- bread and butter. That's what people have been saying, you know, is your game. You know, you're a tapping merchant. You know, they're not rating the other aspects of your game. So for him to not even come through on that bit and score that tapping that he's so customary to, to scoring, you know, you can't forgive him because that is that is the biggest platform now. It's the t- it's a chance to, to t- send not necessarily send your team through, but equalise the tie you know, and keep it alive. And then you see what happens uh, uh, up the other end, almost a minute later, you know, the, the Leon go up, go up and score. So, you know, that's that's the margins that you're dealing with here. And thing, I, I, I don't think he would have got any sleep last night because, you know, that that is a, it's just a criminal miss. It's a criminal miss. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, Toby. I was, was going to say, he needs to work. Like, his finishing is good, yeah. Um, I think it, we're at the point where we can say he's a good finisher. But his composure... Um, it, it just seems to go amiss at times, like that that chance. I don't know if it's because of the defender sliding in, but he just needed to like just put his foot where the ball is. Like he's trying to like almost smash it into the net, and it's just like relax a bit, like take a bit off it. Um, and obviously, he's gone. It's gone the other way for him. And I think obviously this has happened to Sterling before, and he scores many more goals now. So maybe we miss it a bit more now. But he's still. I don't think he's clinical enough um so i think he's got another level to go there yeah you you raised a good point on that steve because like we've discussed it in our group chats as well i think reluctantly for me i, I say reluctantly i've sort of stamped him on this sort of world-class tag but that miss yesterday as shocking as it was you're not surprised that someone like raheem sterling can miss a chance mm. like that. it's not it's not a shock it's a shock in terms of the ease in which the chance the chance was was presented to him, but in terms of him missing guilt edge chances, we've seen this 
over the, over the course of the last two, three, four years for Raheem Sterling at Man City, no matter how many goals he scored. So I think you've definitely got a point there. It's definitely something that he really needs to sort of put to bed because, like you said, he is Man City's sort of go-to attacker right now in the absence of Aguero. And Aguero, if he's in that position, I know he misses chances, but he's he's sending them, he's sending that match into extra time. Mm. And that match into yeah. extra time. So, um, so Mike, I'm coming back to you now on this as well. Um, Leon as well. Leon as well. So they've now locked out. They've now knocked out Juve. They've now knocked out Man City. Mm. And I'm not sure if you saw the tweet yesterday. Mbappe talking about oh Farmers League. De Depay talking about Farmers League as well. So, what's your thoughts on this whole sort of French league as a Farmers League sort of? Claim. I I have been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this day because there's an arrogance in this stupid country right here that that this league is so far above everybody else. And I ran onto my tweet, my Twitter account, and um, said that you know this is a lesson for English football. And one guy ran to me straight away and said that why you act as if like two English teams didn't get into the final last year. Listen, Messi are supposed to be one of the best teams in the world. They've been smacked. They've been embarrassed. Monaco. Have embarrassed them before. Lyon have now embarrassed them. That's two French teams already. The two, the four teams left, two are from Germany, two are from France. The two leagues that are clowned by people in this country are now in the quarterfinals and the semi-finals of the Champions League. Where are your people? Atletico <laughs> have been Atletico have been embarrassing this year, yet they've beaten the champions that have won the league in our country quite easily, to be completely honest. They embarrassed them. Home and away. So Toll farmers league nonsense. I always say like you can't go and send for leagues because if they pop you, you're suddenly confused. You're you're looking <laughs> around. Ajax went and humbled Real Madrid completely last year, humbled them, and you guys knocked them out after they capitulated. And it was fantastic to see you come back. But before Ajax and Madrid were joined together, you were thinking eh, most uh, most yeah. people think yeah Madrid okay, they've got this exactly, and they were embarrassed. It's a lesson. This country's arrogant, and I want it to happen again and again and again. That's funny. I want more. I'm not gonna. Whoever made the term Farmers League is is absolutely hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I still think that French league is a farmers. I'm not gonna lie. But you know what? I think I think there is an overconfidence in. Uh, the disparity between the leagues, yeah, but there is still, I still think there's a significant quality gap between the Premier League and Syria. I think the Bundesliga is, is a quality league as well. I think the French league, once you start going past the top three or four teams, I think there is a significant drop in the quality. That's not to say they don't have lots of very technical and capable players. That's not to say they're top teams who compete in the Europa League and the... Um, the Champions League aren't good teams, but I just think that if you look at the whole league in general, I think there's uh, there's a lesser quality in, in those leagues. And, and I, th I think that's factual. But also, this, I don't want to, um, I don't want to take away from Leon's win, but if this game is two legs, then I think City are still going through. And I think anything can happen in 90 minutes. That's football. That's the beauty of your football. So I, I wouldn't be jumping the gun and being like league guys in the same um breadth as the Premier League just because of yeah, that. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there, Steve, because I don't think anyone is saying league aren't mm. in the same mm. as the Premier League, but just stop calling it a farmers league. No, 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 but hear this hear this rationale. They keep producing top class mm. players, yeah. Mm. They got two teams in the Champions League semi-final now. They got one team obviously who walks their league, but they've got a couple teams there who produce top talent, play good football, have decent managers as well, and are regularly in European competitions as well. They may not yeah. win it, but they're they, they're doing enough in some of these competitions to be noticed. And some of them, if they're not doing it, their players are certainly doing it. You've seen Victor Oshiman, who's gone to yeah. Napoli now for fifty million this summer. You saw Usman Dembele, who left to Dortmund and then to Barcelona a couple years back. You've seen Mbappe, who's dominating football now. There's no coincidence that all of these players are coming from this so-called Farmers League. Mm. I think it's just a bit... You just need to give them some respect. People yeah, talk about it. that league like it's the Bundes, like it's the Eredivisie. It's not the Eredivisie. Come on. If it's the Eredivisie with the Farmers League, I, I would say, OK, cool. Point taken. But when you're talking about this league that's actually producing top talent as well and actually have some decent to good sides... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's simple. 
I, I don't think there's an issue there personally, but mm. I think guys, I, I think we need to sort, sort of have a sort of round the room discussion again back on Pep because let me just read you his record now. So he's been like we said, he's been knocked out of the quarterfinals by Monaco in his first season at Man City. He got dumped out in the round of 16 by Liverpool in his second season. He got dumped out in the quarterfinals last year by us, the Harry Kane team he dubbed without no Harry Kane. And now he's now he's <laughs> lost in the quarterfinals to Leon. And he spent over 600 million pounds in his in his time there as well. So a lot of people are saying that he should be he he should walk, he should be sacked, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What what are your views on this? Because surely this isn't acceptable. Yeah, for, for, for me, for me, it's not acceptable. And actually, if you look at their performances over the course of the season, the defeat yesterday shouldn't even really surprise anyone personally. Like you could see that coming before the match because you look at how they, the, the 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 amount of matches that they've lost in the league this year, they they are not the same Man City who were difficult to to play against last year or the season before. I think I can excuse the Liverpool defeat. But that Spurs one, I think, was a disgrace, and I was, I was so angry that, <laughs> that he was knocked out by um, that he was knocked out by Spurs. Um, the Monaco one and the Leon one, I think, are the same thing. Where Pep, he's just trying to, he's trying to be, as I think Steve said, he's trying to be too known, like he's trying to be too clever, trying to uh, do something funky, and it's, it's blowing blowing up in his face. Like for me, I think. This this year, City have been so weak because they missed two fundamental key players in their team. Like last year, Kevin De Bruyne was injured, but I think they have more players who can step up in that mould in central midfield um, to replace him. But this year, they lost uh, Leroy Sane and um, Vincent Company, and I just feel like the Leroy Sane was a massive blow in terms of their attack because, as you saw yesterday, Raheem Sterling was the only one who was causing that Leon team. Um, any issues and would cause deep blocks issues uh, full stop because he's the only one that looks to run in behind and offers that outlet. So having no Sane there and no one else who looks to make those off-the-ball runs, really, because I didn't really think Jesus was giving um, enough in that regard, it's a big blow uh, in terms of creating chances. And then at the back, no Vincent Company, like you saw it in the, the running, probably one of the best um, title defences last season, uh, Vincent Company, I think, played like 11 of the 14 games that they won in a row. Yeah, so there was no John Stones. There was no, um, you know, Otamendi being trusted in those matches. It was still a 55-year-old Vincent Company that Pep was relying on um, in, in those matches. And then you lost him and he didn't sign anyone to replace him. So you've lost that leadership at the back there. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what Pep was expecting to do this season without those two players. Like, he was just too headstrong and it's all blown up in his face. I think that's also made him lose um, Fernandinho as well, because now he's playing at the back rather than um, in midfield. So I think that's another loss as well. Yeah, and obviously David Silva, I know he was on the wane, but losing losing some of the quality that he's shown in the previous seasons, this season as well. And then I think Aguero as well, I think he's missed more football this season than he did last year, in my opinion, and the year before. So, I mean... It's the perfect, it's the perfect storm. But again, we can't sort of cry a wolf for a manager who has a plethora of talent at his disposal as well. And um, uh, Mike, I just wanted to, to 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 come back to you on this as well. Riyad Mahrez, what must he be thinking? What must he be thinking? He didn't start against Real Madrid in the in the second leg, and he does he doesn't start in arguably their biggest match of the season now. What's what's going through his head now, sitting on the bench? And he's been one of Man City's best attackers. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree ever since he even joined the club. He's had a bit of a slow start and then as soon as he got into his rhythm, he's been incredible. I don't actually understand his role. I don't know what his role is to City. I know he's a bit of a rotational player, but I feel some of that quality shouldn't be sitting on the bench week in and week out. Um, and in this game where you need to you need to score goals, it's a one-game knockout. You don't have two legs. It's a one-game knockout. You need to score goals. You need to attack. He must be sitting there thinking, you're playing Kyle Walker and Cancelo as wing-backs with no wide men. What the hell's going on here? Like, I'm more Because as soon as he came on, you could see there was a difference straight away. Mm, you yeah. can notice there was a difference. So, me personally, I mean, all, all, all bias aside, I would ask to leave. Um, just because I feel like, also, he is 30 now, I think. He's 29 or 30 now, so I feel like he's in the twilight. He's approaching the twilight. Yeah, he's approaching the twilight now, so I feel like he needs to go and spend time somewhere where he just plays week in and week out. So one of that quality just shouldn't be on the bench. I don't think that's 
acceptable for someone of Ria Mara's ability. The ability to dribble, beat players so easily, very good goal scorer as well. Um, quite clinical in a one-on-one situation. I think he was needed and it was quite poor of Pep to keep him off on the bench for 60 minutes. Bro, yeah. Bernardo Silva didn't even play one minute. That's nope. um, I'd say. Exactly. But yes. Rodri played all the game, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think with that, we got to move on to um, the next, or if anything, probably the, the, the... I don't know whether this is the second most shocking result or the first most shocking result, but we have to talk about that. <laughs> That um, Catalonian massacre um, <laughs> in Portugal, Bayern Munich um, stuffing Barcelona eight uh, two. Steve, I think you were mentioning that this result was a long time coming for Barcelona. Do you want to sort of expand on on on, on what you what you meant by that? Yeah. Um, so so with Barcelona, I've always loved Barcelona as a team. The Pep, the Pep version or the Pep iteration. Um, and then, obviously, when Neymar came in and Luis Enrique won the Champions League with them, um, it was amazing. But um, it's, it's almost reminiscent of like when Barca sold, sorry, Spurs sold Bale, and then they went and brought in like seven players who just <laughs> did not fit the bill at all. Hey, 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 hey. one out of seven was superb. So <laughs> let's stop that. <laughs> um, but um, but the problems had even started. Before then, and it's just like I've I've seen my club run pretty poorly since Ferguson left here. But since Pep left Barcelona, the the money this team has wasted and the structural issues, the signings they've gone in for, it's a mess from top to bottom. And they finally found themselves at rock bottom. And I, and the reason I say it's been a long time coming is I think if you look at it, must be the last four seasons now um, where. Barcelona, um, they've um, been knocked out of the Champions League in pretty much disgrace each time. Um, and each time they've kind of managed to win La Liga. So it's, it's almost clouding over the big issues they've they've had. But this season, Suarez is is has been injured and he's clearly on the wane physically. So they haven't managed to pick up La Liga. Griezmann hasn't worked out for them as, at all. And Messi's a year older as well. So... I think you're at the point now where you can stop Messi. And once you stop Messi, it's like it's like the wool comes off your eyes and you see how poor this Barcelona team truly is. They've got a manager who hasn't a clue. They've got a midfield who hasn't a Scoobies. Their defence is shocking. Um, Ter Stegen, who I really actually like, was absolute head loss in that match. And it's just, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, I say, because... Um, this is the first time in a long time where I think they've actually faced a top, top team and they've been able to show in true German efficiency what happens when they don't let go. And they were, they were, they were finished. They were ravaged. I said in 10 minutes, it's going to be seven. And then they got eight. And the most damning indictment <laughs> at that result is that Coutinho, who can't even start for um, Barcelona, he can't even start for the team he's been loaned against, but he's your player. You've allowed him to play score two... And assist one. Are you yes. Like, yes. how can your club be run that poorly? It's crazy. And I feel sorry for my boy um, Messi, but um, Barca, this had to happen to you, man. This had to happen. <laughs> Dan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to you next because that was, uh, that was a thorough analysis of the of the mess yes, that is Barcelona right now. So, Dan, <laughs> I'm coming to you next. Steve made a point about Setien. I personally think that Setien was someone who was set up to fail with this job because they gave him this job and they knew they just knew he wouldn't bang like it was the team was too far gone they had way too many issues like there was no way he was going to come in and literally just lift the fortunes of this club but i mean dan talk us through that starting lineup because <laughs> I, I saw it and i said yo they might sack this, they might sack this guy before a ball's before ball's kicked you know when i saw that lineup Fam, the thing is, as well, like, you say Setien has been set up to fail, but I, I, I think I agree I think I agree with you because I don't think anyone will come into that Barcelona team. Um, and then I think they, who was it they, they tried to sign or they, they forced someone to sell earlier this season? Was it Martin Braithwaite or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, that's the, that's the state of their squad right now that you're you're basically condemning a club to relegation or whatever by signing some has been 
that many people have not even heard of. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. In order to try and save your 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 club's uh, fortunes, and I just think, you know, like I, I personally don't think that Barcelona need that that much to fix. Like I think there are some good no. players. No, no, no. Because I think there are some good players in and around that that team, but they've just recruited the complete wrong profiles for for that squad, right? And when I say I don't think they need that much, I think you know maybe four or five signings in that team and letting four or five players go, and you can see a completely different side there. Because I think Pete players like I know Semedo got rinsed, but he's now not 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 automatically a horrible right back. Do you know what I mean? Like. Jordi Alba, he's getting old. You know, you can do with you can do with a backup for him. I think they've made good signings in in Frankie De Jong, um, Usman Dembele. He's now ne- he's never fit, but if he's fit, you could see where he fits in at Barcelona. Like, I think where they've gone wrong is you know, Arthur. I don't know why they're they're swapping him for um, Miralem Pjanic, one of their few players um, under thirty. Lengle, I don't think is a bad player, but they probably need um, uh, another re- a replacement now for PK. Where if you go out and you sign an Upamakano or something like that, your defense automatically just becomes a lot, a lot better, and he can still play the Barcelona way. Do you know what I mean? You get some power um, into your uh, central midfield. They should have gone for someone like um, an Endobele, who has great feet and can, on, when he was at Leon, can move around the pitch um, quite well. I don't know what happened to him at Spurs. Do you know what I'm saying? And if they go and get a pacey striker, all of a sudden you now have that threat in behind that you don't have when you're playing Suarez and Griezmann and all of a sudden, you know, your whole team looks revitalised kind of thing. And I just feel like they've they've just gone and invested in the wrong profiles completely for their for their for for, for their for their team all over the pitch. Yeah, Dan, I'm gonna um zone in or I'm gonna zero in on a point you mentioned about um their sort of wayward investment. So let's actually look through their most expensive players as well. I think a reset is needed for this club, like you like you lot have said. Um the most expensive player, like Stephen pointed out, was playing for the opposition and scored twice against them. The second most expensive player couldn't even start in their biggest match of the season. He was dropped in favour of a 4-4-2 sort of weird diamond formation with Vidal. Vidal playing in a, in a four-man midfield. They've made Frankie de Jong look like an ordinary talent. I know, obviously, he needs to do more himself, but generally, the way in which they utilise players is poor. And their third most expensive player, who was fit and available off the bench, did he even touch the pitch? Mm. Did he touch the pitch? I, I, you not tell me because I, I didn't watch the end of that game. I don't. I don't recall him touching the pitch. So it's a. It's a. Like you. Like we said. The profile signing they make, I think they just go off name brands. They literally say, "Oh yeah, that's a Mercedes. That's a that's a BMW. I want that, even though I can't drive it." I don't know how to drive it. It's, it's, it's a weird one. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to come to you next as well. We need to talk about Bayern Munich's brilliance here because they've now scored 39 goals in nine Champions League appearances. Talk us through that that um, that attack and the midfield. Are they favourites? to? Are they like overwhelming favourites to win it now for you? Uh, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I don't know how um, Leon are going to survive that team because... The worst German efficiency genuinely describes Bayern Munich. They're just effective in everything they do. And one person I love to point out time and time again, because he's my boy, is um, Thomas Muller. I just love that guy too much. He, he doesn't do he doesn't do crazy things. He's just it's just this. He knows where to be. He knows how to finish. He knows how to pass. He does his job. Job done. Game over. The guy's too damn good, man. And um, they complimented it with uh, Perisic and Nabry, which was the perfect wing choice. And obviously, you got the killer up front. And it, it worries me because why the hell have they been allowed to like, add Louis Sonny to this team? Right. <laughs> like, like, it, it doesn't, I, I don't, I can't comprehend how stupid that is to just say, yeah, you know what, let him go there, then that's no problem. And it's, it's cheap as well. Um, but yeah, they went out that game and they just went, pressed them killed them from the start and um i think what messi said is very true i think he said about two or three weeks ago where he said um is that barcel wait to go behind before they start waking up and realizing oh shit we're in a match we need to actually move and do something <laughs> but i guess, <laughs> yeah. guess by munich you can't sit there and say no we can't do something they got unlucky on goal and then they came back on your neck and said listen we're going to finish you again and they killed them 4-1 i was screaming 
I'll screw you in my yard. And I thought, yeah, this is done. And I messaged Darren T. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I want eight. I got eight. I feel like I feel like there were a lot of sort of Barcelona, not haters, but there were a lot of people who were happy to see the demise. Because they of deserve Barcelona. it. No, because they deserve <laughs> it. They, have, they are, they are, they respectfully so, they are an incredible club, and they have probably the greatest player we'll ever see play the game of football. But you're not the same Barcelona that you were years ago. You you get you need to get over it. You know the the treatment of like, for example, Luis Enrique wasn't the most brilliant manager. Football wasn't fantastic. But you want to travel with him. But because the football wasn't good enough, you've gone through manager after manager. You bought uh, Setien because you wanted Tika Taka back. Yeah, yeah. What Tika Taka got you? What did it get you against Bayern Munich? Where did you go against <laughs> Bayern Munich? Exactly. So they need to change everything. And I'm happy that Bayern Munich told my lesson because, as Stevie said, this was coming and, and we needed this and they needed it more than anything. Now PK is rattled talking about maybe. Uh, I need to leave. Yeah. Like, Please go. Oh, he Please. needs to go. You know, um, because I think I think one of the biggest one of the biggest mistakes that Barcelona have made over the years is thinking they can solve all their problems in one window. I think you have to look at the examples of Liverpool. I know obviously we can say, oh yeah, everyone waxes lyrical about Liverpool, but you they do for a reason. You have to look at the example that they set. They didn't try to target it all in one window. They went about their business gradually. Mm. First, they sought first. So Jurgen Klopp has worked it from the back up. He brought in Salah to improve their attack. He's moved Firmino Central to improve their attack. Once he knew that their attack was firing, but he said, hey, you know what? The defence isn't working. He brings in Van Dijk. He, he integrates Robertson into the team. He integrates Trent into the team. He's he sort of... They've done us. They've they've worked on it methodically, and even the character profile players they met, they they signed, similar to what Dan was mentioning, it's all come together, and it's not like it's not a fluke, it's not a coincidence, it's deliberate, and I think that's one thing that we don't see from Barcelona: deliberate planning. It's always a knee-jerk, scattergun approach, and I think now, like PK said, like Messi said, like everyone and their aunt is saying right now, it's gonna be a two, three, maybe even four season approach now for them to get back to the top because they are suffering. From when you can't even recognise a Barcelona side as playing good football, Messi's on the pitch and you're still getting slapped by eight goals, that's when you know the magic is worn off. And I think I also wanted us to talk about Lionel Messi as well because I don't know about you lot, but watching the highlights, that is comfortably the worst performance from Lionel Messi I have seen since probably pasting against Juventus um, a couple years back when Dybala stole the show. I don't know about you lot, I want to hear your thoughts because I feel like that me- that performance from Messi is unacceptable but also an indictment on how if you stop Messi or you limit him from having the best of games, it's finito for this team. For this team. Yeah, I've um, I've never ever criticised Messi in my life, man. That's my guy, but you know <laughs> what, yeah. It's right. I, I've got I've got I've got to be real, man. Like the, free it, free it, he, mate. He wasn't terrible in that game in the first half, particularly. He created he created a few chances um, that Barca should have taken, and if he had, it might have been a closer game. But I think they've got a real issue with Messi now because, and I think it it's just like looking at Barcelona structurally as well, where like I don't know, ten seasons ago, like everybody in that team pressed. Do you know what I mean? They had a clear identity. Whereas now, I don't think they have that identity. And if you want to play tiki-taka, then off the ball, you've got to do the same things you were doing with Pep. And I look at Suarez and Messi, yeah? Off the ball, absolutely pathetic. And you can't have, at this level of football, like, you looked when Bayern lost the ball, like, Lewandowski pressing, Nabry pressing, Perisic pressing. Like, you can't have any of your team being bystanders. And I know Messi is the goal, but, it, like... There's no excuse for you not to run. And Suarez as well. You can't have two people in your team not running as well. Like, it's, it's going to be a catastrophe. So, I think they need to look deeply because Messi's got too much power. Like, he, he runs the club. He runs the board. He, <laughs> he, he plays every game. He runs. <laughs> <laughs> he sat I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he's the one that slapped the P45. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's so many players who have come in and suffered as a result of Messi playing there. Like Griezmann's come in, he hasn't quite fit in. I don't know if that's due to Messi, but they say he takes up similar positions to Messi, so it's not quite worth of him. And they just need to think up, think up a strategy where Messi can play in this team and they can flourish. And it can't be with him 
and Suarez playing together. None of like neither of them are running. Um, and he's getting older, so I think they just need to review it and and come to some sort of logical um, decision. Because right now they look like Argentina in disguise. Yes, way worse than Argentina. Yes, I was going to come to you next, actually, Dan. Um, I know you obviously want to talk about Barcelona, so you can get back to your point. But I wanted to talk about Bayern Munich. Um, it seems like with with um, Flick. Um, He's got this sort of high-risk, high-reward sort of tactic. Um, as Mike was mentioning, you saw how they aggressively pressed Barcelona from the front. And you saw the high line they left as well. Um, you saw in the first half they were being caught out a couple of times by Barcelona. But it seems as if this is a risk that this manager is willing to take because he knows ultimately, if I can press and corner this team into a mistake, my team are going to pan you into the dust. So do you think that this approach will serve them well? Maybe not so Forget about Leon, because we all assume that they're going to get past Leon pretty comfortably. Let's let's pretend as if they get into the final. Let's say they meet PSG in the final. Do you think that that's a tactic that will still serve him well? Um, I don't think he, he can't play that way against PSG personally, because Mbappe is probably one of the only people who will be able to keep up with uh, Alfonso Davis or even outpace Alfonso Davis. Like the the speed that the kid has um, is frightening. Um, and I think if you're playing a high line with, you know, Neymar, um, I don't know if Di Maria is going to be back. Maybe Verratti might be back as well. If you have these sort of guys that that have the ability to play the final ball, um, you can't you can't play such a high line. Um, and one thing I was going to say just about uh, back back to Barcelona um, was just that I think, you know, Steve Steve's really right there. And I saw a tweet that just said that you know you've seen it in the week the way Juventus have tried to play. Um, way PSG tried to play when those other players were missing and when the way Barcelona are trying to play, like they're trying to force it, force the sort of those three best players in the world in Messi, Ronaldo and Neymar. They're trying to force everything through those players and outside of those players, those teams pretty much have zero idea of what to do. And you've seen it with Juventus this season that, you know, once they've actually tried to look for some of their other players, like, your, you know, Dybala is on the pitch as well. They've been able to, to sort of get, get things working and PSG, they only looked good once Mbappe was back on the pitch and they started look, looking like a, a better attacking unit once the, the focus wasn't all on on Neymar. And I, and I think that's one of the things you have to praise Bayern for, that, you know, outside of Lewandowski, they still try and use their other attackers to sort of influence the game. You know what I mean? Like, so you've got Gnabry there, you've got Thomas Muller there, you've got um, uh, Perisic or Coleman there um, as well that can also influence the game and they use other outlets other than their, their main... Um, their main striker, so I feel I feel like that's where you know Barcelona need to need to have uh, a, another look at themselves. Really, mm. well, um, I think I think just before we move on, um, one player who actually shone against his former club, Thiago. I just wanted to get you lot's thoughts on him as well. Um, reports intensifying that this guy is on the verge of signing for Liverpool. Um, how good of an addition is that going to be for the the reigning Premier League champion, Mike? If they get Thiago, they keep the title. As simple as it gets. That's a that, big that, claim. That, that's a, it is a big claim, but I, I don't see anyone else in the league right now that's next to Liverpool, if I'm being honest. And it's kind of pissing me off that it's only £30 million and no one else is having a look. Um, but then maybe there is no one else that can have a look because Liverpool are that good. And if you want to go under a manager right now to go and play for, it's going to be Jurgen Klopp. So... Um, he's he's a supreme talent. His creativity, his reading of the game, very good defensively as well. I think that's a part of his game that's not really spoken about enough. He is so, so he's so damn good, man. So he joins Liverpool and uh, they retain the league. And I, I'm, I'm missing. Big claim. Um, before who, we move on, before sorry, Dan, before we move who, who on, out, who drops out of the midfield? Oh, yeah, um, so who did? Who, what's their starting midfielder? So Fabinho, Wijnaldum and Henderson. It will have to be Wijnaldum. Yeah, probably. Oh. I mean, Henderson, uh, Henderson for me, would be the one to drop out by his captain. And I no, don't think... He's... He won't drop out. Yeah, Wijnaldum so... is never dropping out of that midfield. What's he Nah, because he does the running. Like, him and him and Henderson do the running. I can see Fabinho coming out. Fabinho? That's a shout, you know. Henderson Ooh. at six. Potentially. Ooh. I don't know, though. He's their best defensive midfielder, though. He's their best. So, he if, he's playing, if he's on Son, if he's on Song, I can't see him being dropped in favour of 
without yeah. I guess it would probably be a rotation thing more than anything. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, but I did want to say before you moved on away from Bayern, yeah, I just think I, I was hoping City would have the opportunity to expose it. But down, is it Bayern's right side? Where they've got Boateng and Kimmich, yeah. That 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 side is set up to get toasted on the break. Like there's there's even with Pavard fit, like there's not enough pace on that side, yeah. And I just think if it's if it's Mbappe playing there like he did against um, what was it Atlanta, or if it's Neymar playing there, yeah, I think one of them are absolutely going to ravage that side. Like Boateng, <laughs> yeah, he's they said he had a good season this season, yeah. But judging by the Champions League games I've seen of him, this guy is AWOL. Like, I can see him getting finished a la uh, Messi in 2015 or 16, whenever it was. So, I think that's probably the weak area they have in that side. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird one as well. Because that I, I was I was discussing that in the group chat as well. I don't think... I feel like Boateng, he's been better than you're giving him credit for. But he is still ultimately a weak link in that defence. And I think... I think the issue with Joshua Kimmich is because he bombs forward. Him and him yeah. and Davies, they push, they push high up the pitch. But Davies has got the recovery pace. Davies can yeah, can, exactly. can beat pretty much anyone on this planet in a foot race. You can't say the same for Joshua Kimmich. And we saw two years ago, I think it was two years ago, against um, Bayern Munich. I mean against Real Madrid, where they exploited it. Both yeah. their goals came on that on that left-hand channel as well, where Joshua Kimmich was caught high up in the field as well. So you're definitely right. It is something for them to 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 to, to look at but um just before we move on to Atalanta there was one point which I forgot to bring up with um, Man City and it's perfect now that we've spoken about Jurgen Klopp as well because Pep's legacy we speak about him we know we we say that in terms of modern day sort of managers ever you have Ferguson you have Mourinho you have Pep but this Champions League sort of defeat now surely it must damage his legacy and surely it must make us sort of review the way we look at this guy because how can you be spending all this money and not succeed in the Champions League like this? I, I I'll let I'll let someone else go. I, I I just I love Pep. I'm not gonna lie. I think I love him too. But I think in on. what in 26 years, Ferguson won what two Champions Leagues, um, and he got to what three three finals. Oh. Um, so I think. I think there's a case to be to be said there that is it really isn't easy to win the Champions League. That being said, Pep's had all the money in the world, so I think that's where you can be more critical of him. But the guy has literally transformed football um, in more leagues than one. So yeah, he could be doing he could be doing better, but I'm, you, you won't catch me calling him a fraud. <laughs> you're, better, you're a better man than most. Look at the comment. <laughs> I don't think that the, the the teams that are knocking his his teams out is where you have to really like criticize him. You know, like he's he's not he's not losing to European giants. You know, he's not losing to you know top top teams out there. He's losing to minnows who don't go on to win the tournament, and he he is losing as the favorite in a lot of these ties. Do you get what I'm saying? I think the Liverpool game is the only one where you can say, wow, they really probably were were blew, blew him out of the park and you know they they played really well. Um and and you could you man, can't... can I pause I, I don't like how you're not playing with even... Tottenham. Surely come on man. No I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry. Oh. They finished they finished like 30 points ahead of you in the league. Yeah they 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 should not have been knocked out against Spurs over two legs. I don't care how well Spurs play if City play to their to their potential you're out. But you could say the same about Liverpool though. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what, that was going to be my next point. Even in that season, you would say that Man City were the favourites in that tie and they got they got absolutely spanked. Do you get what I'm saying? But that's the only one where I'll probably say, you know what, Liverpool in Europe, they're a different beast, whatever, this, that and the other. That's an excuse I'm going to give to him. But, you know, his his Champions League record is very shaky. He's very, very shaky. And and you, I, I've been defending him now, people calling him Paul Diola, but this is almost the last draw. Like, you can't go out to a Leon team in, in the manner that he did. It's, it's perfect. It is. I think even against that, um, even that Liverpool game again, his, his selection was dodgy as well. Didn't Gundogan play right wing and Laporte play left back? Like, right. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to yeah. question this guy. We got we got to get onto his neck because one hundred. You, you, there's, there's always this thing about when a manager's doing what well, you cannot criticize anything that they're doing. Or if a player makes a mistake, oh, but he's done this in the past. So like the United thing with the hair being so easy with the hair to the point now where it's just like, listen, 
the guy's losing it. Realize it. He, he's he's losing his step. So you gotta get onto his neck, bro. It's, it's, it's not good enough. It's, it's simply not good enough. That selection yesterday was a damn disgrace. If that's anyone else, we're on his neck straight away. Yeah. Criticize this guy and let him realize he's not a managerial god. He's just a man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love that. <laughs> he's not a managerial god. He's just a man. Yeah, I think it's. I think with him, certainly now, I, I'm with Steve. I'm I'm in the firmly in the Pep in camp. I love him, but I'm sorry now. Until he wins that Champions League without Messi, as far as Champions League goes, he's a fraud. He has to be called Fraudiola. That name has to stick now because the opponents <laughs> that he is the, the opponents that this guy's letting himself lose out to, it's not acceptable. We accepted it at Bayern Munich because he was losing out to eventual champions. Like there's no shame in getting knocked out by Barcelona and Real Madrid, but when you're getting knocked out by Leon, by Monaco, by Spurs, etc., etc., questions have to be raised, mate. Question has to questions have to be raised. But anyway, let's talk about the the other two UCL ties quickly. I know we've got like sort of 10 minutes left. So PSG um, coming back from a, um, a goal down to beat Atalanta 2-1 and Leipzig um, uh, dis dispatching Atletico Madrid and beating them 2-1 on the night as well. Um, Mike, talk us through Neymar because, I mean, the Neymar factor that everyone's been trying to pretend wasn't a thing. He didn't admit this is the first time he's played in the knockout um, Champions League competition for for PSG since that first leg against Real Madrid two years ago. I mean, talk us through it. Talk us through his performance because he missed a couple big, big chances as well. He missed a lot of big chances, but boy, didn't he pull out of the bag? Oh uh, yeah, his finishing was wayward, but when it comes to producing that moment of quality to at least help when um, go forward, he's there. He did, He showed up the whole game. He was the only one until um, Mbappe came on that was actually doing something of merit to make try and make a difference. You know, Icardi was an absolute disgrace. Couldn't find him. Um, I think Sarabia was also very poor. Herrera, I mean, me and Steve, you know, less said the better. So <laughs> you know, um, he came, he, he just he did his thing. His finishing was poor, and I think because it is Neymar and he does that, you're thinking, bro, you're, you're not on game. But he was on his game completely. Um, yeah, shout out to promoting as well, actually. Um, so no, he was fantastic. And as soon as Mbappe came on. You know the quality just went up that extra level, and you can't stop a player like that. And it's fair, it's fair to not. I don't. I don't like criticizing him because every time they've been knocked out, he didn't play. So it's not on him. But now he's there, he's performing, and they're through to the semi-final for the first time. So yeah, I've I've got nothing but praise for my boy. Yeah, Dan, I'm coming to you next quickly. Atalanta. Um, I feel like they gave as good as they got. Um, a burgeoning sort of like a a really really sort of strong. Um, team in recent seasons as well. Like, where where do they go from here? You reckon that they could repeat? They could possibly repeat these similar exploits in the Champions League next season? Um, I don't, I don't really know to be honest. I think they need to get um, uh, what's his name, uh, Ilicic into therapy or something to get him back. <laughs> but, uh, I think he was a I think he was a big miss for them, uh, and wise. Um, to be honest, but they gave they gave a good account of themselves. They're really good attacking team you know I, I just think you know there is this thing about you know sort of football heritage and that kind of thing and going far in europe i think you need um some of that experience and that's probably why they they felt short um towards the end of that match and they got they got tired as well so you know i think i think they gave a good 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 account of themselves um and they'll be back they'll be back they'll probably you know they'll do well i think to get to get to the quarterfinals again next year but i wouldn't expect much more than that from them personally yeah. Steve, um, Atletico Madrid, was that match sort of like a watershed moment for uh, Diego Simeone now? Because I know obviously they literally went from the highs of beating, um, but of course they knocked out the best team in England this season over two legs. But if you look at their season with, um, with a microscopic sort of lens, they finished 17 points or I think it's like 16 or 17 points behind Real Madrid in the league this season. They've been dumped out by a Leipzig side who, by all accounts, have lost pretty much 30 goals. They've lost their, their, their key attacker. They were they couldn't beat a Leipzig side who were playing with Yusuf Poulton, that donkey, mm -hmm. up front. Um, don't get me wrong, Leipzig are a good side, but you you would expect that Atletico, with the money they spent this summer, they would, they would at least put more of a fight. But do you think sort of Atletico have reached this point in time where maybe they need to sort of reassess uh, Simeone's position at the club? Yeah, I mean, um, just before I get on to that, can I just say shout out my guy, 
Neymar as well. I need to I need to shout him out because I have hated on him in the past a bit, and I keep seeing commentators being like, "Ah, oh, that was all Mbappe." Um, he came on and changed the game, but like that performance, yeah, like he's now he's now going on him to go and get the Ballon d'Or next year. Like he should he should really be pushing for that because um, he's now he's a level above everyone else. Um, but yeah, with Atletico Madrid, yo, Simeone, my guy, like it's 2020, it's a new decade. You gotta go. Like your your football, your style of football, it's not cutting it anymore. And he's um, he's managed to last a few years longer than Mourinho has because he's not quite so ancient. But that style of football that was banging in 2010 up until the middle of the last decade where Atletico were getting into semi-finals and finals at Champions League, it don't work no more. Like that deep block, you've got to have something else in your locker. And they're killing my boy Felix out there. Like if this guy stays, if this guy stays a few more years, he's going to ruin him like he did to Lamar. Like, um, yeah, Atletico, they're their defensive shape that they used to have and it used to be so impressive it's kind of gone um with Godin and I think they just need to look at trying something new now because one manager can only be at their home for so long without regenerating and refreshing his ideas and and like I said I think football's gone a different way now where you need to press you need to be trying to be on the front foot Atletico Madrid don't seem to be wanting to do that and you can see like they've even lost admirers like people used to used to praise their style of play. Now people are disgusted to see them to see them touch pitch. So yeah, I just think a refresh is, is needed all around. And um, you can't be spending that much money on Felix um and then playing playing um a style of football that doesn't even suit him. So yeah. And you look at people like Costa as well, who um since he's left Chelsea, he's just again, I think physically he's not quite at the same level. So they just need a refresh, I think. Yeah, Dan, I'm coming to you next. So it's a twofold sort of point, really. Um, I know obviously we've got, we probably might run over, but um, so let's actually talk about let's actually talk about Atletico Madrid's attack because under Simeone, of course, he lost he lost his top goal scoring um, and Anton Griezmann um, this the summer summer 2019. But I mean, you have to we have to surely question his recruitment and um, his decision making at this club because he was the one that um, gave the green light for a 50, 50 million purchase for Morata. I mean, I can forgive you for Diego Costa because I think at the time when they signed Costa, I don't think many expected Costa to be finished by all accounts because he was coming off the back of a strong campaign for Chelsea. But signing Morata for 50-something million, um, signing Jar Felix and not really having a, a role for him to play in this team, knowing when you're knowing full well that you've lost your your chief goal scorer and in large parts one of your most creative outlets in, in Anton Griezmann. Surely this can't be acceptable for Cholo. Yeah, like I, I don't think it is acceptable to be honest. And I just think I just I just I would echo Steve's thoughts that it's just time for a refresh to be honest. Like you 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 like if you look at their squad as well, they have players who are capable of um, of playing in a in a more creative and more expansive way. Like you saw it for in spells um against um Leipzig, you saw it in spells that they were able to, to you know, get forward and, and create chances. Jao Felix really changed the game for about 10, 15 minutes when he came on the pitch. And so you just have to ask yourself, why were you not trying to do this um, from earlier in the game or from, from minute one? That kind of thing. And like, you look at, um, even to add to, to the players you mentioned, they spent like 60 million euro on someone like Thomas Lamar as well, who has got zero goals and zero assists this season as well. So it's just like, you're signing all these sort of attacking and flary players and you have no idea how to in integrate them into the team. So either you want to move in that direction and you want to get these players onto the pitch or you don't. And so you just save your money and buy, you know, um, your Ryan Shawcrosses and stuff like that if, if, if that's what you're, you're going to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you either need to either go full, fully into this whole new, right, I'm, I'm going to spend 100 million on Joe Felix, so I'm going to find the best way to play play him and get the best out of him or just don't bother spending the money and 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 keep to keep to doing what you're doing okay uh well said dan uh mike i want to talk about lights quickly before we sort of wrap up and look ahead to tonight's fixture um so Leipzig, i felt like i think under this nagelsman guy we really need to we really need to sort of shine a spotlight on the job that he's doing at this club because no matter who they play no matter which player comes in and out of this team Everyone knows what they're doing. They're well coached, well drilled, 
their shape is correct and the way the way in which they attack teams as well it's it's, it's brilliant to watch um what i wanted to ask is your opinion on um Nagelsmann, and i also wanted to ask for your opinion on um Upamecano as well because we know that he was someone who a lot of people wanted to watch um i thought that he handled diego costa quite well but i wanted to hear your your thoughts yeah uh first on Nagelsmann. i mean the guy's revelation i think um He's very, very knowledgeable in how he approaches every game. It's not always the same tactic. It's not always the same style, which is what I love. There's a plan A, plan B, plan C. And he knows his opponent very well. Um, the job he got Pumacano to do on Costa was phenomenal. Um, physical for physical, but on top of that, you know, Pumacano um, can defend well and he can pass well on the ball as well. Yeah. He just made um, Costa feel very uncomfortable. And he's done that throughout the season, throughout his time there. His first season that... Um, in the Bundesliga with Leipzig, they finished in the top four in Germany straight away, you know. So um his his footballing brain as a manager is just incredible. And Upa Meccano, I wanted to see him in a real pressure situation. Um, because I, I know a lot of people are fans of him. I always try and take my time with that, but man, he stepped up to the occasion and stepped up big. Um, especially when he made sure that he didn't foul uh was it Lodi for the dive? Um, mm. That was very well timed as well. That when he just sort of stepped off last second, I just I'm very impressed by him. He seems like he's very comfortable on the on his on the feet, uh, very comfortable in the air, and he's still got a lot of growing to do. So you just don't know what level he's going to get to, but it's exciting. You, you don't know how far he's going to get. So I'm mm. very impressed by him as well. And just a quick one on um, Jao Felix, save him because it's very criminal. It's very criminal to play Costa and Marcos Llorente as a front two. When you got someone that can dribble and ball out like that, that's a damn disgrace. Anyone <laughs> apart from Klopp and Pep, save him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I so think like, anyone, you're, you're you're shouting out Ed Woodward, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust Ed Woodward with anything, man. Forget about him, man. On that on thing, I just think the best thing that I like about him is just um, his his composure in that match because I think previously, you know, we've like we've seen him sort of. I think against Spurs, he was very, very rash. You know, like made made a few errors that comes with with um, that you expect when he's so, he's so young, twenty twenty one. But I thought in this in that match, his composure just was was so on point that he made every single decision that he did in that game was the correct one in terms of when he was choosing to dribble, when he was choosing to pass, when he was going to go to ground, yeah. when he was going to stay on his feet. And I thought that was probably the most impressive um, aspect of that for me. Yeah. Um, so Steve, I know. Sorry, I know. Probably need to wrap up soon, but last just a word on Leipzig as well. Obviously, they they're going to be up against PSG. Um, I know for all their for all their exploits, it just seemed as if there was there was large parts of that game um, where it felt like you didn't know where this Leipzig goal was going to come from, even though they were getting into good positions against um, Atletico Madrid. How costly is it going to be for them that they don't really have any sort of able, sort of formidable sort of striker? To play against this this PSG defense in the semi final, yeah. Well, they're going out. That's, a <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how costly it is. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. You sell your best player, your like your most pacey outlet. The guy can um, create goals out of nothing. Can his his record was phenomenal this season. Like, I, I, I haven't said I'm the greatest fan of Werner, but he's, he's no done shit. <laughs> no shit. He's done the business for them all season. So I I don't want to say it's a strange transfer in terms of the timing, because obviously it makes sense for Chelsea. But for Leipzig, I, I just would have thought they would have liked to try and do more to, to keep him until at least the end of the Champions League campaign, because I don't know when they're going to have another chance to, to go at it as strongly as, as they did here. And, and obviously with the luck of the draw as well, um, it could have worked favourably for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, without without Werner now, they're they're firmly going out. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think that's it for us for Champions League. Uh, we got maybe just just over a minute and a bit left. So just a word on the the giant Europa League fixture tonight. <laughs> Man United be Sevilla, um, guys. What, what what are your thoughts on this? Because we've been discussing midweek, and again, we all expect Man United to go through, but Sevilla are no slouches. Sevilla are no slouches. 
What's your thoughts? The last time we expected May United to go through against Sevilla, we we all know what happened. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I am not saying a word on who I expect to go through. I just hope that we get the selection right, the tactics right, and we win. And if we don't win, then don't be surprised if you don't hear from me. That's all I can say. <laughs> today, yeah, today I'm on Bruno. If he dare loses the ball more than five times, I'm on him. <laughs> So then basically you're going to be on him then. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. I'll be surprised if we win this Europa League. I think in Sevilla and Inter Milan, you've got two very well-drilled European outfits. So if we manage to win these ties and play well, um, like I'll really favourably be in Solskjaer's corner. If we don't, then, yeah, I'm it might be time to look elsewhere, boy. Yeah. Okay. Pardon? No, because um, I'm just it's like it's like I'm citing him early on, in it. You know, I like to make an early judgment call. So what you're saying? Um, so if he doesn't win the Europa League, you're saying you want him sacked? <laughs> Stop trying to get me on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you do not think give Oli time, give him funds, and I said if he don't win the Europa League, he wants him sacked. Nah, you know what it is. You know what it is. We've been playing very poorly. Uh, since I think midway through the restart. So I'd like to hope a manager with serious credentials would be able to turn this around. Um, if we play well and we go out, then I'm, I'm happy with that. But we've been playing diabolically. Um, like we haven't got a clue um, in the last few matches. Read the comment. Read the comment. <laughs> <laughs> that would be typical of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And on that note, um, I think that's it for us today. Um, Coach, Mike, I don't know why you go by, by Coach Kojo, but um, thank, you, <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I would say good luck tonight, but I would be lying. I wish you the worst of luck. <laughs> I hope Sevilla beat you. If you're still watching or you're listening and you want to see or hear more of us, uh, check us out on Tapping Football on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, if, you want a, if you want a glimpse of our socials, we're also available on Twitter. Just one word, Tapping Football. Available on Instagram as well, and also available on LinkedIn as well. <laughs> but um, in a professional manner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's it. Thanks for rocking with us today, and we'll be back next Sunday.